Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog, episode number 22. I am your host, Josh, the video game bard, and joined, of course, by my co-host, Jared the Casual. Jared, how's it going? Good, my friend. How are you? Are you staying cool? How is uh, Florida treating you for weather-wise? It's uh, getting muggy for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's getting yeah, it's getting to that time, you know, time of year. So, got to run from AC to AC. It's funny. I'm definitely of the, I don't know, breed of I don't I don't consider myself a Floridian, but of people who are living here who at this point are like, yeah, keep the AC like cranked up in every building, and. I'm also a little bit more hot-blooded. I get a little bit more just heat going on, so I enjoy getting cold down. But, like, if you ever visit Florida during the summer, a lot of people kind of have, like, this weird shock where it's like, yeah, it's hot outside, but then we go into a restaurant and we're freezing. Oh, you yeah. Know? It's and you just massive. are, like, slightly yeah. unprepared. <laughs> yep. And churches so, are the worst, too. Churches just yeah. crank that AC. And then so by the time everyone's in and all the doors stop opening the sanctuary just gets frigid. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's miserable. You got to bring yep. a sweater on a 90 degree day just to sit in church comfortably. Yeah. So yeah. it's a weird, yeah, it's definitely a, a weird back and forth of temperature. And I am coming more to the side of, yeah, keep that, keep that AC cranked. Cause I, I was get um, real sweaty real quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I was, um, you know, it's funny. I was in church on July 4th. Uh, I didn't work that day. So I, I went into to church and, it was a really, you know, it was a modern contemporary church, and um, they they sang "Party in the USA" to open. What? <laughs> because it was Fourth of the July, I guess. And I just didn't make that connection because I don't really consider that song super patriotic, to be honest with you. No, <laughs> I know. So I was like really thrown off, and I was like also thrown off by like the fact that the church was not into it. Like, as I was looking around, like. People are sitting down. They're like on their phones. They're not looking around. I was like, really? Like, if this is your patriotic signaling, you failed. Like, this was not. It was weird, man. It was what weird. It was like, yeah, some weird youth leader's idea thought it was yeah, going to go off well, and it didn't at all. Yeah, I don't know whose idea that was, but it was a dumb one. Like, you just play like the Rockets Red Glare. Like, that's yeah. all you got to do, man. It's not hard. You know, stick with If you want to do a remix or have the band play it live, that's fine. But it's still going to be way better than having someone trot back and forth on stage saying, you know, moving my hips like, yeah, in church. <laughs> in ch- I just, it just felt wrong. It felt weird. Like, I don't know. Like, whatever. No judgment if, if that's how you want to do your worship, whatever. But, like, I, I, I was, like, uncomfortable in church. It was weird. <laughs> I think that is probably the strangest church story I've heard yeah. in a while. But I, yeah, I say all that to say, like, how was your fourth? Did you get some fireworks in? No. Well, we we kind of watched from our apartment window. Yeah, you guys like are right close. Downtown. Yeah. Yeah, and you can even see the stadium from here. So I think they're firing some off from there. But I we didn't go and do anything super fancy, to be honest. We didn't plan. That was kind of the problem. Yeah, you know, because you got your holidays where like you're planning everything out. Oh yeah, and typically for the fourth, like at least back when I was in Colorado, it was always like, oh yeah, like there's a group of church members who are all going to get together and do a barbecue or something, you know, right? And uh, do whatever game night or something like that. And like most of the time, it was 
spearheaded by my dad or my mom or something. So I didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. So now being out here, it's like I just don't have a ton of friends and it just kind of crept up on us. And all of a sudden it was the fourth and it was like, oh, we didn't plan anything. Like it's just how it goes this year, I guess. I think I should have done a little bit more, put a little more effort into it. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> so, I know you are you are a history guru, Josh. Shame I on you. know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't go all out for Memorial Day either, so I don't know. <laughs> there you go. But like, it's like it's like it's like New Year's, you know. Like sometimes something fun happens, and sometimes you just go to bed early. Yes. And I am still grateful for our independence. I am grateful for the lives that have been sacrificed for me to live in the luxury that I do. And I do not take any of that for granted. I just didn't have a barbecue this year. Yeah. So. Uh, but it was good otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it would have been, yeah, it would have been nice to, to hang out with you all for sure. If there had been that opportunity, but did you yeah. guys do anything insane other than go watch a Miley Cyrus church? Yeah. Service? Yeah. Well, Lucy, um, Lucy had to work. Uh, so she did, and I, I had the day off. Um, so um, I, um, we didn't do anything till later, and then we, I, I had, I couldn't get this charcoal grill started. Charcoal is just such a pain in the butt. So I mm-hmm. gave up and cooked my meat inside. But, but no, we had corn on the cob and um, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs and bro- well, brats rather. I prefer brats to hot dogs. Nice. But uh, and then baked beans and of course yeah so I just did a little spread while she was at work and had that ready when she got home and it was nice simple stuff oh I also went to Walmart I was feeling frisky I went to Walmart and purchased a XXL white cutoff T-shirt <laughs> and I purchased some denim shirt shorts <laughs> that were way too big so my name was Bubba for the day it was hilarious. <laughs> I picked up Lucy from work uh, when she got done, and I was blaring, you know, um, um, what Lee, what what's his name, Bruce Bruce Wood? I don't even know. Uh, you know, proud to be an American. Lee Greenwood yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, it, um, that sounds it was proud right. to be American. While I picked her up in my Bubba redneck outfit, it was hilarious. It was that great. Is great. She was so embarrassed. It was a good day, and then we did fireworks a little bit later. Uh, just went and watched them somewhere, but yeah, it was it wasn't too bad. Pretty simple, you know. Just the two of us, you know. We're all the way out here. Don't really know anyone uh, super well, so it was what it was, and it was a good weekend. But you know, it's incredible to think about the men that you know signed the Declaration of Independence were ready to lose everything. That's oh, an yeah. incredible thought. Like, what, do I actually believe in the ideals that I profess to believe in so much so that I'd be willing to lose everything? and turn into a, you know, modern day Job just to, you know, stick to my ideals. And I don't know. That's a hard question. That's a hard question. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a different time today. Yes. Don't have as much conviction. Unfortunately, I don't think. And I'm, I'm just as at fault of that as everyone else in our generation. But it is indeed something I, I just don't like it was a it was such a unique generation of men. It was such a like honestly I think just like God ordained group and a God ordained logic that went into all of it. Like it all was just like it was like a perfect combination of moments and mm-hmm. worked out of course in America's benefit. Uh and we are squandering a lot of it, but 
really cool and certainly worth celebration and certainly worth remembering and not ignoring for sure, which a lot of people like to do, unfortunately. Regardless, this is, of course, a video game podcast, Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate, including today's. You can write into us. Our email is askvgb at gmail.com. You can also support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, following us there or on your podcast surface of choice, and by dropping a review for us on Apple Podcasts. We accept all honest reviews as long as they are five stars. Jared, we did get an email in this last month-ish. I don't... Let me see when this came in. June 18th, so it's been a few weeks, but... I'll go ahead and read. This is from Alice. She says, hello. Um, I happen to run into you guys on SoundCloud, and I want to say I really like the podcast. I hope I'm not bothering by messaging you. I just thought you guys deserved more attention. That's all. I hope I didn't bother for your time. Uh, Thank you for your time, and stay on pace with the excellent video game talk. So, thank you, Alice, for reaching out. No particular question in there, but just wanted to highlight that Love particular that. email. Thank you, us. Alice. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who just said, hey, appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. And sending those good vibes out to the ether. Appreciate that for sure. Last time we talked about Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. You can go listen to our conversation, episode number 21, on that particular game. Of course, we have a new pick for you guys this week. Before we get into that, Jared, what? is your favorite horror setting? The reason I am asking this question, I like to kind of kick things off with a with an icebreaker question, but uh, the reason I'm asking about a horror setting is because I have declared July to be uh, the summer Halloween month for me and Karina. Okay. And we are going through and watching a scary movie every weekend. Karina is not like a big, crazy fan. <laughs> so mm. I have to kind of coax her into the whole idea. Yeah, and even then she won't watch like actually scary movies. <laughs> so I have to pick some that are like you know in that middle vein of like mildly entertaining but still slightly scary. You know, so just thinking along those lines, going through my plethora of options, I thought I would ask you, Jared, what is your favorite? It, first off, do you even like horror? For one, yeah, and yeah. Then I, outside I like of that, what's like your favorite setting? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. I think. You know, um, the void scares the the junk out of me. So I, I try to like my favorite horror setting is one that I find like least scary, I suppose. And one, so it's two different questions. Like favorite horror setting. If I were to be dropped into a horror story myself as the main character, I would love mm-hmm. for it to be like zombies because I feel like zombies, like you know. You know what I mean? Like zombies would be interesting. You could like the fate of the world. You have a clear and present goal, which is survival and perhaps try to fix it, right? But if you're dropped into, you know, a, a movie like Jaws, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just just terrifying. So um, <laughs> I I don't um, man favorite horror setting probably zombie probably zombie apocalypse uh, post apocalyptic something along those lines. But uh, but yeah. Uh, I do also really enjoy demonic horror as opposed to like um, Saw or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. So okay. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit that's more my... supernatural side of yes. things, not so yeah, much supernatural gross out for gore. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, gore is not a. I'm not a huge gore person. But why do you ask? Just because the July thing? Are you guys yeah, like, just, a, avoiding a certain genre or what? Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily trying to avoid anything per se. Uh, yeah, just 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 ask. To be honest, I mean, it's it's a really interesting genre. There's a lot of different settings that you can pull from. We watched actually the zombie Netflix movie Army of the Dead with Dave Batista. And I do agree kind of with what you're saying where it's like, yeah, like if I were to actually be put into one, zombies would make sense because it's pretty clear cut, I feel like, and the rules are pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Like you shoot you shoot him in the head, you take out the yes. brain. Like that's right. the that's the solving the saving grace there. But you don't necessarily have all the answers when it comes to like demons and rituals and exactly. supernatural forces and beings and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, so it's a ton of fun. Yeah. We have, you seen that trilogy of movies that Netflix is releasing the fear street series. The, f- no, I don't think I have. No. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a really interesting concept. They're releasing three movies back to back once every week this month, I think. And they're all in the same town but different eras. So the first one took place in 1994 and we just watched that last night. It wasn't super scary, but it's a cool concept. And then the second movie is set in the seventies in the same town. Um, but that area where things are going on used to be a camp. So it's going to be like a camp horror setting. And then the third movie is set in 1666 all the way back in colonial times in that same town and basically how the like the curse of the town or whatever got started. So really interesting. It's it's definitely kind of a a gamble on their part, you know. You don't yeah. typically release a trilogy of movies within a month, but right. in streaming, you know, might work. So that's been interesting. I like that setting for sure. I am a sucker, Jared, personally, for sci-fi horror. Yeah. Like the Alien franchise. Um what was that movie? with um life it was called life mm. had like ryan reynolds jake gyllenhaal yeah that was a good one it was good yeah it was basically alien but like with a unique organism yep i don't know what you call that thing um but it's that one was a lot of fun. like those sorts of settings like in a spaceship like you already have like the stress of space and i when you said the void that's what i thought of i'm not sure what you meant by the void I meant like the the sea or the abyss or darkness in general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that. But all space, of that yeah, for sure. Space. <laughs> that movie. That movie is truly creepy because of you know being in space. You know, confined quarters, a little bit of claustrophobia. Um, you know, fire in enclosed spaces. That's a good one. That's an intense one. Yep. Yeah, I like the closed corridors. Um, the the fear of like having it infect the rest of the human race, you know, and like you're trying yep. to keep it from, you're trying to like lock it down and keep it in the quarantine and hopefully it doesn't get out and so on and so forth. So actually uh, along those lines, uh, we were just talking about in the last red pixel that they're reinvigorating the dead space franchise, which is horror video games set mm. in space. And those games are so much freaking fun, Jared. I'm like, man, I want more of that in my life. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of good sci-fi horror. So you're kind of limited on your choices there. But nonetheless, when I can get that, that's for sure my favorite. Most of that sci-fi horror is like B-grade, like Sharknado. or <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. What I, yeah, 
yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, you kind of have to filter through some of the goofier yeah. stuff, typically. It, weird alien stuff or, like, killer clowns from outer space. Like, I guess you can call that sci-fi. Uh, but not necessarily scary, you know? Um, I think the alien movies do a really great job of, like, terror, but then just, like, fun at the same time and giving you kind of, like, those gross-out moments. I think they're king yep. of that. So, um, anyway, that being said... Let's talk about something that's not so scary. Let's talk about the games we are playing. Jared. Update me on your gaming life this last month or so. Yeah, the last month, um, I actually have a number of things in the pipeline, but I haven't been able to get to any of them. I want to go back and play Destiny 1 and 2. Um, I want to get into, because here's why, here's why. The game that we are talking about this episode is a first person, and I surprisingly did not deal with... I dealt with very, very minor issues with motion sickness. So I had to adjust a couple settings and work on some things and uh, acclimate and whatever else. But it, it like it challenged me. I was like, oh, now I kind of want to go back and play Destiny. I want to see if I can even just dabble a little bit in Apex, you know, Overwatch, some of these first persons. And then also uh, I definitely want to get into um, – Mario, the the tennis I haven't gotten into yet, Mario Aces, and also the new Mario game Golf, which I hear is pretty good. So I have things in the pipeline, but other than our feature for this episode, I really haven't been playing much else of anything uh, of note, really. So nothing for me to super add here, but I'm excited about um, the games that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into here in the near future. Yeah, been a busy man. I yep. am happy to hear, though, that the game didn't give you any motion sickness for the most part yeah i didn't I even think about, about that it, with, with outer yeah. worlds how did you do it with um skyrim did you just play in third person the whole time yeah uh no 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 skyrim was fine skyrim's a little low res too um yeah and and the motion's a little bit smoother um so um just because it's lower graphic like for instance like with with skyrim well here's the issue like Battlefield and and um, Call of Duty and stuff, when you sprint, your character like jogs the camera from side to side because they're trying to yeah. make it realistic, right? That really mm. throws me off. Whereas with Skyrim, like you, you really have a much more stabilized camera movement and stuff and also a, a lower res area. So it just doesn't feel as, I don't know, there's just not as much going on. So it's not an overload and it doesn't make me as sick. Um, if I were to play Skyrim uh, on a brand new, you know, 4K, massive, whatever else, and with all the mods and everything going on, it probably would give me issues, to be frank. But, you know, we'll see. Sometimes, if, you know, if I feel it coming on, I'll take it slower, or I'll, you know, change the settings, make it less sensitive and whatever. But, yeah, no, it, it went well. So I'm hoping I can maybe get into some other games that are first person as well. Good. Yeah, simpler's better sometimes. Well, certainly for people who have motion sickness <laughs> and all that extra animation all that extra realism just makes it a lot worse i'm trying to think there was a game i was playing and there was like a spinning camera i don't remember what game that was but my my wife had to walk out of the room she was just like 
spinning too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, can't do it. Yeah. So it's a real thing. People are, people are dealing with it their own interesting ways. I have been playing mostly just more from software games. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, since we talked last time, I, I finished them all and now I'm going back and I want to platinum them. I'm just Ooh. like, you know what? I'm loving these so much. I'm having a great, like I'm not, they're not getting old, you know, I'm not yeah. feeling burned out. Yep. So why stop something that's good when it can, t- can continue to be good? So I have just been trying to get all the, all the little specifics, you know, cause you got to do that yeah. to get the platinum. So it's been interesting. <laughs> you're gonna be a from. You're that. gonna be a from software master at the end of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I've definitely gone from like slightly interested to like a little too diehard in this yeah. last month. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just riding the wave, you know. I'm just, I'm just gonna keep as long as it doesn't crash and the crest continues to rise. I will be right in the midst of that wave, just enjoying my time. Yeah, so there you go. been doing that. I'm on. So I had to, <laughs> as part of that process, I had to get Dark Souls on my PS4 so I could get achievements because I had it on the Switch. So I just played through all of Dark Souls again. Just wanted to get a basic run in. Uh, really, it, these games start to become old hat and you can really easily master them i feel like after that first run through because you know where everything is you know where all the major items are uh you know the strategies to take on all the different enemies and whatnot so a second third time through is a lot more of a breeze and in some ways i think even slightly more enjoyable uh though nothing beats that stressful intense trial and error in your first run so yeah so yeah, finished Dark Souls. I'm playing through two right now and trying to get the platinum on that. It's a lot. Like you got to get every sorcery, you have to get every pyromancy, you have to get every miracle, every hex, and then you also have to like get every gesture. So you have to do all of the NPC storylines, and you got to make sure you don't go too far ahead and cancel out a storyline and so on and so yep. forth. So I'm constantly checking back online and like trying to. Uh, sync things up and whatnot so yeah i'll probably still do that for the rest of the month we'll see i've definitely been slowing down this last week and partially because i needed to put more time into our pick for this week um but otherwise i haven't really been playing a whole lot on my own the only other game i've touched in the last few weeks has been kingdom hearts and we've only played it for two sessions and the only reason I'm, (laughs) i'm even playing another game is because karina and i decided hey let's let's play through a game together uh, you know, just like every other evening or so, let's just sure, pick yeah. up a game and, and have a couple sessions. So we were both like, oh, we've never played Kingdom Hearts. So we are starting the first one and it is so old. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know how long <laughs> we're going to last, to be honest, because even she was just kind of like, oof, like it's just, it just does not control well, very yeah. blocky, really yep. just bad dialoguing and so we'll see how long that goes, but our hope is to make it through at least one of those games. I think there's like five or six. I don't think we'll do the whole series, but I'm just going to call heard, it right now. Yeah, the fans of that series are diehard fans, and they love their series, but I've never really understood the hype, I guess. But you know, They're diehards, but that's the problem is that they were babies when they started it. 
Yeah. <laughs> they were dumb kids. They were and <laughs> as dumb kids. They were. Like, and so it like super appealed to them. They looked past all the little silly flaws and all the ridiculous storytelling yeah. and fell in love with it anyway because it's Disney and it's Final Fantasy and they're having a good time or whatever. Um, but I have yet to have a single person convince me that it is worth it to play through if you're not already a diehard fan. Right, right. And... And I just trying to even jump in at this point has been so frustrating. Yeah. So, uh, but that's been the games I've been playing. It's not the best choice. It's Spacer's Choice. All right. We are going to take some time. And officially announce what we are going to moniker, The Reaping. This is going to be a default segment, so this is our default segment. And The Reaping is going to be a, I think, once a year, we'll see, once in a specified period of time, where Jared and I just talk out the games that are in the Hall of Games, and we pick a victor. I kind of want to pick, like, top three you know, sure, sure, um, and have that conversation. But at the end of the day, I do want to officially choose number one game in the Hall of Games. Our number one suggestion to you as an audience member, and then as part of that process, we'll see if we add in a couple of details. But I do want to just get that main part of the reaping started here for our default segment so i'm going to read through the games that we have allowed into the hall of games and then make a couple announcements as i go through this so starting with episode number one i think it was our very first episode breath of the wild was put into the hall of games Fortnite was the next game nino kuni wrath of the white witch super mario odyssey axiom verge Animal Crossing New Horizons, Smash Bros. Ultimate, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Hades, Undertale, and last, as far as up to this recording is concerned, Dark Souls was the last one. So that's 12 total. I had honorary titles that were in the Hall of Games from back before this was Bard's Backlog. Um, and you can go and listen to those episodes and hear me talk about them, but they weren't officially a part of any sort of specific haul. So I am going to just nix those entirely from the ranking. They are no longer a part of the Hall of Games. If we decide to cover those in the future, then they will be entered as nominees uh, to the process. But as of right now, we just have these 12 out of what is now 22 episodes. Jared, I would say that's a pretty good amount here. We've said almost to as many no's as as many yeses uh, allowing into the Hall of Games. So I think we've done a good job of balancing things. But let's talk about what that number one game is in that list And let's do it this way, actually. Let's go ahead and eliminate ones that we don't think make that top three. Okay, yeah. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and get us started and eliminate one for us? Uh, Fortnite. Fortnite doesn't need to be in the top conversation because it's, at this point, been surpassed by Apex Legends, as even, I think, Karina would agree. It's been surpassed by... uh, 
you know, the new battlefield looks incredible. It's been surpassed by all first persons. Any innovation that Fortnite could have done in the past has now um, either been copied or improved upon by other games. The only thing that makes Fortnite stand out is the culture that it creates, which is why we put it in there in the first place, largely, and the um, the building mechanic, which, to be frank, is starting to become a barrier of entry to new players from what I'm reading. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's very difficult to, to be... Like, people can build massive uh building structures and it's getting crazy and there's there's the game seems to be losing its steam and popularity still very popular among younger players of course but people are now shifting a lot apex is you know the gaming uh king for for what i can see right now although warzone's pretty close too so yeah i was gonna mention warzone yeah, so it's uh it's good stuff, but I think for na- for to be frank, while Fortnite gets into the Hall of Games because of the trends and the the household name that it is, I think it can be eliminated from this conversation for right now. I think I I well, first off, I agree, so um, we can certainly remove that, but um, I think it's kind of been crippled by its own original vision in its own yes. way. Yeah, um, because it was supposed to be kind of a family friendly younger game yes and when it exploded in popularity of course it drew in other demographics but now it's kind of locked into this age bracket and people tend to age out of it and into call of duty into apex these slightly more just mature graphics mature world and that tends to appeal to slightly older gamers Um, yeah you know it's funny the and, and in general this is a comment on the the trends and memes of today's you know cultures they move so fast it's it literally is like catching a wave and surfing eventually you gotta you gotta bail out and then catch the next wave and that's exactly what's happening to Fortnite. as, as soon as something becomes super mainstream the counterculture wave starts to take hold and people start to make fun of people who do these other things you know what i mean so yeah. uh, Fortnite was the thing and then people are like Fortnite, bro you play Fortnite." You know what I mean? That shaming, <laughs> that cultural shaming yeah. that goes with that because people love to be disagreeable and they love their counterculture movements as well. So Fortnite's on the tail end of that wave uh, face, facing the backlash of a counterculture. And right now the center of that wave is in other games. So yeah, yeah. I think Fortnite can be eliminated for now. And it's got that barrier of entry. Yep. So newer newcomers are just getting further and further pushed away. So it's not like Minecraft. Like Minecraft has persisted and has been able to go beyond its age bracket even to this day and Fortnite was not able to do that i would yeah. say i am feel pretty confident removing immortals phoenix rising yeah as maybe an earlier one from this list i think yep. it's a great game i think it's a really awesome open world greek experience if it's on sale go get it like you'll have a good time with it but i don't think it's as impressive i don't think it's as genre defining as industry defining as a lot of these other titles and for that reason i think it could definitely be cut yeah i would say um nino kuni is too niche for uh this list it's yeah uh, i think nino kuni could go too yeah yeah, it's a cult classic um for a very small demographic it's the ghibli mashed up with video games uh, it tells a beautiful story, um, but definitely not something that's on everyone's lips when they think of uh, JRPGs uh, and role-playing games and all that you know that fantasy genre. So I think that can go. I agree, and actually, I think it's a good candidate for 
the second part of the reaping that I have not mentioned yet. I'll go ahead and mention it now. Uh, I think part of this process, so we're going to pick a number one, two, and three, and we're going to do this every so often, just reevaluate what's at the top of the Hall of Games. But then during the reaping, we can actually, part of this process, now we don't have to, but Jared and I can submit other games that we've talked about up to this point that were featured in an episode of their own for the Hall of Games that didn't make it. So we can submit our picks of what we think should have made it into the Hall of Games in exchange for a removing of a title that's already in there. All right? So it's eye for eye, it's tit for tat. So we got to kill a baby in order to bless the world with a brand new newborn. So oh, gravy. <laughs> I think Nino Cooney is a good candidate for being swapped out with something else, but we'll talk about that at the end. I sure. also think Jared, and this might um, break your heart a little bit, but I think Xenoblade Chronicles can go as well. Uh, I don't think it makes top three. I, I, think it's I agree with that. I agree with that because it's not a long-standing classic. We played the definitive edition where they had fixed a lot of the original issues in the game. And two, that studio could not uh, repeat their success with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Now, that's not yeah. a, that has nothing to do with the first game, but what I'm saying is that we played the perfected version, which is great, but the original source material doesn't necessarily hold up against some of the other titles in this list. It's not as cohesive of a package. Um, although it was a great game, and I do, I, I do sometimes miss it. I miss Gower Plans. I miss the, the wide-open world that it was. So I think it's a good game, but um, certainly not as remarkable as some of these other titles. And, uh, you know, like it's, it, maybe it doesn't get cut this early in later years. Like Maybe we have a, a more in-depth conversation, but... Um, sure. I just as just looking quickly through this, that one just stood out to me as one I don't. Think I would say, yeah, and I would say uh, Undertale can go next. Uh, Undertale is a unique indie gaming experience with an incredible story and some very thought provoking characters, some thought provoking development, and uh, what feels like a near infinite ending uh, loop. But at the same time, it is blocky, chunky. Um, difficult and, and, and time-consuming and unremarkable in the presentation department. Yes, cult classic, of course, just because of the community that it's built and the series that it's spun off, but it's also got a limited market and, uh, and kind of just a, 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 an odd presence to it for sure. Um, but had it been you know, at the caliber of some of these other games and presentation and graphics and, and budget and everything, I think it could absolutely Absolutely. Can you imagine if Undertale had the budget of some of these other studios? Wow. But uh, for now, I think uh, can be dropped from the top three. Presentation, huh? You think it's got a bad presentation? Well, I just mean in the sense that like it's a pixel art game. Yeah. That's yeah, that's not really appealing I mean. to everyone. If you disagree, though, I mean, I've already I've already kind of alluded to earlier what I was going to be pushing for. Um, so, you know, that if, if this is what you think should be considered in the top three, we can leave it for now. I mean, and in our list of 12, it has to get hard at some point to start eliminating things. So we're, (laughs) it's an ongoing conversation. I think maybe you could make, yeah, you could make the argument that maybe Animal Crossing should go before Undertale does. Um, I think that's part of my holdup is like, I think Undertale, like you said, it has kind of a limited appeal. And I, I agree, especially when you think of just like a typical person. 
you know, yes. some random casual gamer, but I think it's like its appeal does go really like it really focuses in on gamers. Yeah, <laughs> like, fair enough. Fair enough. If you're if you're a super gamer, you're gonna have a good time, I think. Um, yeah. And because of that, I'd like to see it stay a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, so let's talk about it. So does Karina play Animal Crossing anymore? No. No. And neither does Lucy. And I think, you know, uh, and neither do I, and neither do you. You weren't really into it at all uh, as much. You know, Karina was super into Animal Crossing. And as far as I know, she doesn't, you know, like you've said, you know, she doesn't play it. And I know plenty of people who are in that same boat that don't play Animal Crossing anymore. Um, you know, it, it was perfect for the pandemic and it had, you know, wrote, wrote a great tidal wave of popularity, reinvigorated um, sales for the Switch and for Nintendo as a company, but um, it doesn't have a lot of longevity to it. So I maybe that could go next, I think. I think I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. I was never, like, super in love with it, so that's an easy one for me to cut, yeah. <laughs> personally. So we can definitely get rid of that. All right, so my turn then, since I protested against undertale um mario odyssey yeah i would agree that would that's what i would say next yeah it hurts for me to say but i personally don't think it's even the best 3d mario so right that's what i was gonna say it's like if you had to recommend um our list to people of like where to start we're going opposite and somewhere around this point in the list would i recommend super mario odyssey just because i would say hey go play galaxy and now that sunshine's on the switch go play sunshine you know what I mean? Like that's right. that's that's where I would push someone if they want to experience retro and powerful Mario for sure. Odyssey was great, but you you kind of have to already have some love for the series um, yeah. to get into Odyssey. Uh, I think Galaxy would make you fall in love with the series. I think Sunshine would make you fall in love with the series. Uh, Sixty four probably would too, but but I think uh, Odyssey can probably go for you know uh, a variety of reasons, but that probably being the biggest one. Yep, angering lots of people, I think, but I think it certainly. That's okay, though. That's okay. Hold. You know, more Mar- they churn out incredible Mario titles all the time, and I think Odyssey, you know, with the capture mechanic, really, you know, uh, innovated and then moved on, and I think that's what we need to recognize it for, and then move on. You know what my problem with Odyssey is? Is I like especially the first time I played through it, I couldn't tell you like a whole lot about it. It just kind of all blended together. Yes, like other than those like peak moment like those there's like what two moments of like music score and gameplay and celebration that the game puts on that are like very clear celebrations of the franchise as a whole the rest of it just really especially on that first playthrough just blended together and it was very much like oh it's mario like you're you're playing a mario game Um, yeah so and i don't know i think too just as this uh another comment i don't think it was hard enough to be frank, yeah. you know, it just like sunshine and galaxy, well, galaxy less so, but sunshine was hard, man. That was hard to beat that game. Yeah. Uh, at least in my mind. And oh, yeah. galaxy Sunshine's, was, yeah. <laughs> galaxy was long. Galaxy took hours. And, you know, I think, uh, odyssey you could play through and what a couple afternoons of really getting at it. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that's part of it. Now here's um, where I I think the what do you think the next title should be? I think we're probably both about to say the same thing. Um, I was gonna say Axiom Verge. Okay, all right. 
I was going to say Smash Bros, but Axiom Verge as well. And I think let's take um, them both out. Let's do. Yeah, let's do both. Yeah, I think because we agree on both of those. I think um, Axiom Verge just because incredible development for one man to have created that game for sure. But at the same time, outshone a little bit, and I think it will be outshone here soon when we all get a chance to play uh, the the next Metroid game, which I am mm. so psyched for. And it looks yeah. so good, dude. I cannot wait to play that game. Um, and I think um, Axiom Verge, didn't he make a second one, Axiom Verge 2, or is he in the process of it? In the process. It's not out yeah. yet. It was supposed to come out last year. Yeah. Um, and then he got pushed to this year, and it still doesn't have a release date, so who knows what's going on yeah. with that. So we'll see. And I think uh, Axiom Verge being, you know, great title, enjoyed it, but um, compared to the the last heavy hitters on this list can go, I think. So I think we have our top two. I think Breath of the Wild and Hades. And we'll have a conversation which one's number one. But I think those are top two. So those are so the n- two that I did allude to and mention to you earlier. And I, you didn't voice agreement up until this point. But you do think that Breath of the Wild and Hades are our top two? You agree with me? I think so. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. that's, that's good to know we have some agreement there. But the question for top three now is the one that we need to discuss, Jared. Yes. What gets that third slot? Is yeah. it Undertale or is it Dark Souls? Now, as much as Dark Souls made me hate it, <laughs> Dark Souls <laughs> made me love it more than Undertale made me love it, if that mm. makes sense. So the you know the extremes of the hot and the cold um were greater and more rewarding on both ends of the spectrum the extreme frustration as well as the extreme passion for dark souls sent me through all the cycles of emotion that a gamer should go through in a good game whereas undertale the highs were a little less high and the lows were less low um certainly a cast of lovable characters but getting to undertale is like going home for the holidays and dark souls is like a summer of intense fun if that makes sense yeah, um, as far yeah, as vibe is compared, opinion. so i i would i would push for Dark Souls, but I mean, I would love to hear your argument if you believe it should be Undertale. Um, no, I don't think it. I think I agree with you with Dark Souls for sure. Undertale is, um, actually, I really liked the way you explained that because it is very much like it's a little bit more mass appeal, but because of that, it's got a little bit more of a just mellow experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say mediocre. No, certainly not mediocre in any way. But it's mellowed out. It's a little bit more uh, simple to process and understand, and uh, you kind of are mildly amused the whole time. But otherwise, you're not. Your brain's not working. Your palms aren't sweating. You're just chilling. Yeah. And Dark Souls is the exact opposite in a lot of ways, and then also has good backing of story and world design and presentation certainly for back in 2011 and yeah it's got it's frustrating aspects but it's i think it's also done a little bit more to define the industry at large than undertale has yes um so for that reason i think it's number three yeah i would i would so i think dark Souls dark souls should sit at three and I, I do believe that Breath uh, of the Wild and Hades are one and two. But for me personally, I, you know, I think Hades should sit at number one personally um, just because they took everything 
that is tedious and distracting and takes away from video games and set them to the side. There are some bonus, there's bonus content. It's loaded with bonus content, but it doesn't matter. What Hades did was take Supergiant Studios from the minor leagues to the big leagues in one game, but you could see their progression. You could see their jump from Transistor, which I played a little bit of, to Hades, and the perfection of a storyline, the dedication to an art style, and uh, a score, and a host of talented individuals all collected in that super giant team that just perfected a product with a modest price tag and humble beginnings as a studio and made a gem, just a gem furnished over many years of love and hard labor. And I I think Hades deserves a number one spot. I think um, Breath of the Wild was an incredible move, took a courageous move for them to go from the traditional Link formula that had such a dedicated and loving following and say, okay, but we can also do this and do it well. And I'm so hyped for Breath of the Wild too. And, uh, but we'll see. I, I personally think Hades being the more impressive of the two titles. Um, so it would go Hades for me, Breath of the Wild 2, and then uh, Dark Souls 3. What do you think, Josh? Jared, I'm going to surprise you. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. I 100% agree. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, but, but do you agree for the same reasons? A lot of the same. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think... I think the thing with Hades is that it is so perfectly what it is. Yes, dude. Um, yes. And it is, it is, oh my goodness. It's like a tool to perfection. It's that genre to perfection. It is that vision to, like everything about it is just, I cannot think of a single thing. And I can think of a lot of things for Breath of the Wild that I would right, like fix, right. tweak. Totally agree. Uh, other things add to it. And that's probably an issue with just open world games, you know? Like everyone's yes. got their own flavor yes. and, and wants. And, and, and Breath of the Wild certainly did new things and really showed off like, oh, this is what a game can do with the size in actual like alluring, mysterious, fun exploration ways uh, that a lot of games don't in an open world. So for that reason, it certainly is uh, a really great game. And obviously at even number two, that's not, that's not, that's not us discounting it, but I think Hades is the better game. Weirdly enough, like people, I don't think that necessarily computes with people, but I think when you really evaluate the two, Hades is better. Yes. And I'm trying to think of like another equivalent to like the idea of Hades in that genre and how, because if you haven't played it, it's so hard to explain why it's so stinking good. Yeah. Uh, I I think just because not a whole lot of people like roguelikes, but I'm trying to think of an equivalent like, man, I mean, talking about scary movies like we were, I'd say like Alien is the perfect sci-fi horror genre movie sure yeah just that original it it set the pace it totally changed what people think that they that sort of genre can do and so on and so forth hades is like that i guess that's a yeah weird anecdote but uh yeah so i agree with you number one hades yeah. um second hades part of this is, process then oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say hades is is a six course meal of fine dining character <laughs> <It> is <laughs> art music story um uh, combat it, six courses of the finest dining perfected and eliminated from all distraction breath of the wild is like a buffet of your favorite foods 
combined with, you know, a couple of sides of collard greens and some weird, like, you know, you know, a little processed mac and cheese maybe here and there. <laughs> it's good, but it's big. It's big bite stuff. It's a steakhouse mm-hmm. stuff. You know what I mean? And it is, um, you know, and then, you know, Dark Souls would be your eclectic dining experience where they have, you know, like cow tongue right next to, you know, calamari. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it's got great choices, but also like, why is this here? <laughs> and and some serious frustrations and, and whatever else. So, you know, I would definitely say that, um, you know, that's that's how I, how I view it. You know, Hades is perfect. I really cannot think of anything wrong with Hades. But if, if you had to push me on it, I really, you know, could list off some things about Breath of the Wild and Dark Souls. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with all that. So second part of this whole reaping conversation is, do we think one of these games can be replaced with another that's the question Jared and I are going to talk about. So first off, Jared, let me just read to you the other games that were not put into the Hall of Games. So be listening, and if something sticks out in your mind that you'd want to make an argument for, go for it. Okay. Um, I have my own thoughts, so we'll get into it after I read this. But games that were nominated but didn't make it, starting with Luigi's Mansion 3. And then the next one after that was Okami HD, and then Moonlighter, um, and then a lot that we let in, and then Fire Emblem, Three Houses, Mario plus Rabbids, Kingdom Battle, and then last week's Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze as well. What do you think? <sighs> Any of those are... Do you want to go to bat for here? Um, man, that's tough. I, it, you know, perspective, you know, t- uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, And I think, you know, when we were just starting out, you know, my mind goes right to Nino Cooney just because we both enjoyed it less than, Maybe less than the hype said we would, I suppose, is one way of putting it. Um, so my mind goes to the weakest on this list, and my mind is Nino Kuni. And I think you could actually make the case that if you had to replace it with something, it might be, for me at least, re- well, I don't know, because... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really have any formulated thoughts. I, I really feel good about... Everything on our Hall of Games list except Nino Kuni, that's the weakest, I think, by a significant margin. And then as far as the games that we didn't let in, we all had really good reasons for. Um, yeah. The only two that are giving me pause are Mario Rabbids and maybe maybe Luigi's Mansion, just because that, that the game series has evolved really well. Um but so the question know. is then yeah are any of these games better than Nino Kuni is the question i think yeah that that is cuz i agree that Nino Kuni is the one that would be replaced i'm surprised you didn't mention moonlighter no because i think for a for a game like like that could you call moonlighter a roguelike i think so i think yeah. it has a lot of those yeah, that's why um, I think I, hindsight is twenty twenty. Just because I would never replace 
anything with Moonlighter since we have Hades in there. Just because mm. it, it outshines all of the roguelikes, it's like it's going to be in there for a long time, I think. So I, I don't need Moonlighter in there just because it's, it's in its own genre. You know, it's a genre that's within Hades and also, too, I don't think it's actually that much better than Nino Kuni, in my opinion. Um, but, I mean, I enjoyed it. I lobbied very hard for it when we had that episode. But um, what's really giving me pause is that there ha- aren't they coming out with another Rabbids game in the future here? Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I So maybe that one would be one. Yeah, just because it's at yeah. this point it's got some rep- replayability whereas Nino Kuni I have no desire to go back and play. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's part of what's giving me some hesitation, Josh. What what about you? What do you think? I think if any of them are like better games than Nino Kuni, it would be Mario Rabbids. Yeah. I think. Like it just as far as like the gameplay the systems the polish yeah i think that that one really has a shot the only other one that i would want to put in just I, I that i think would is a little more worthy i guess than nino kuni is okami but we had a lot of issues with that game yeah and and i think that's part of the like part of us having this talk right now is like yeah i think we had more issues with nino kuni than we let on you know so yeah. i don't think issues are necessarily the problem as much as which one is more um what's yeah. the word um, i might have let my love for ghibli get in the way of the lackluster gameplay in nino kuni right. um I, I think that might have been you know i might have been uh a little blinded and looking through rose colored glasses with that episode. Oh um, yeah. And I, I was too. So I'm right. I'm guilty of that as well. I, I don't think it should be Okami just because Okami did not age well. It has not aged yeah. well. Um, but then again, you know, this whole thing, I tried to eliminate, what did I try? I tried to eliminate undertale. And then I was also okay with axiom verge. I clearly have a thing for bigger studio polished games. <laughs> Um, as far as, you know, just because the presentation to me matters a lot, but, uh, you know, I think, I, I do think if we were to replace it, if we were to replace it, it should be with Rabbids just because that gameplay, the technicality of that game and the ease of access to that game, um, far surpasses the ease of access and playability of Nino Kuni. Really? So then the question is, Jared, can you stomach allowing the rabbits into the hall of games yeah or do we get I, I keep su- a little bit here i suppose i can i suppose i can i it just frustrates me that you are <laughs> you you get what you want and i don't get what i want <laughs> like we're we're not discussing moonlighter because you know it just doesn't fit and and thank god we're not discussing fire emblem my goodness and then also um <laughs> but but you you did make some great points about rabbits you made some excellent points and it was a slim whiff you know what i mean it's not like we were like ew you know we 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 almost put it in anyway so yeah i i think we could we could probably make that change and i could sleep at night still okay so is that your vote because i vote yes i vote that we swap it out yes let's do it all right mario plus rabbits has made it into all of games after several weeks so uh and nino cooney's out <laughs> poor nino cooney but uh sorry 
didn't have the chops to keep up with those glorious, glorious rabbits. So are you? Are we going to list Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle as like the replacement for uh, Nino Kuni here? Or are we going to? Are we going to like amend the episode that we had on it as a? Uh, I like think it, it's just yeah. going forward. I yeah. think our original standing will be in there and then we'll just anytime we do a reaping or a recap on the games that are in there we'll explain what happened with mario plus rabbit fair enough fair enough and how that whole process works so um but yeah so number one of the games that we have discussed on this podcast is hades go check that game out we cannot say enough about how good that game is um but otherwise we have another candidate jared for this week of course our pick for this week and that is the outer worlds So, Jared, I, I, I'd, I'd love to have a crazy long conversation with you, but before we do that, potentially, tell me what you thought, just in a, in two sentences or less. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just in that summation way of your overall impressions of the Outer Worlds as you wrapped up this interesting tale. Yes. Um, I can do it in one sentence. Common sense has left the heads of every single person who left Earth except two people, and those two people are responsible for saving society from corporatism. <laughs> okay. That was, a, that was a compound sentence, but I'll take it. Fair enough. Yeah, I had to use a semicolon <laughs> or two. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little chunky, but that, that, that was my overall impression is like, yeah, common sense, uh, is gone. Common sense is gone (laughs) and, (laughs) and, and capitalism in its most malevolent form has taken over. Uh, you would have to be adult to miss the over, uh, the overtones, you know, very clear overtones of, um, maybe not capitalist hatred, but company hatred, corporatocracy hatred, perhaps, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, that and capitalism go hand in hand for sure. But yeah, yeah. the evil of companies. Yes, yes. The company the man. The first line. So yeah. I, I wrote this down because it did leave such a big impression on me. And um, of course, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know, I'm a history teacher. Um, I probably call myself a capitalist. I mean, I don't love that word, but. Because of that background, this first line left an impression on me. Um, the game boots up and it says, Why stay earthbound when prosperity awaits you in the stars? Come to Halcyon, the only colony on the frontier owned and operated by corporations. So that's the pitch is that it's even owned by businesses. Yep. And then it later promises to offer a perfect society. 
which, in my opinion, Jared, is about as dystopian as you can get. Because you know there ain't going to be no perfect society, and you know things are going to be real messed up once you get there. Oh, yeah. And that really, the, game, the game set its tone for me, and I went into this with a, a cockneyed eyebrow, you know, furrowed look, mm-hmm. and just kind of wondering, okay, all right, you've, you've put your cards on the table. You've made it clear what you are. Let's see how this whole thing works out. So it my first impression personally was was very skeptical, very critical, and I wasn't very excited, to be honest, of what the game's narrative direction specifically was going to be. Um and I have some thoughts on how it all played out for sure. Um so I do have a question written down here, Jared. Do you was this your your gamer spot? That nice sweet spot that erogenous zone that really just got you to the place you wanted to be as a gamer this game or yeah outer worlds that's my question because because it it remind I'm, I'm just going to be honest it reminded me a lot a lot a lot about bethesda games and specifically fallout and skyrim yeah and and i know that's your that's your baby right there you know skyrim so was this right up your alley it was, or, or did you have a hard time getting into it? Parts of it were. Parts of it were. And I'll, we'll get into the, some of the technical shortcomings of it later, you know, gripes and, and all that different stuff. But um, certainly the idea of world hopping, um, maybe not an entirely connected world, but planet hopping and the uh, final frontier of space and, you know, these different things and open world running around, you know, that kind of thing. Definitely that is my sweet spot in general, for sure, is RPGs, massive open world RPGs. They feel like home to me just because I cut my teeth on Skyrim and, um, you know, entering lairs or buildings or whatever else. It's, a you know, a separate loading zone and, you know, different areas and whatever. The, the familiarity of an open world RPG um, and first person certainly felt like home in a lot of ways. But the game's tone is so unique that you know I was quickly removed from the format and drawn right into the story, and mm. in that in its in that way it was completely foreign because I don't have I have to I have to disclaim make a disclaimer here I have never played a game with a host of dialogue options like this. Um, with Skyrim is much more simplified. I mean yeah. you. Yeah. You know, you have a couple options at most. And, you know, your options are often, like, superfluous, really. A lot of the dialogue options don't matter. It's sim- similar to uh, Fire Emblem. You know, that was a huge gripe for me at Fire Emblem. It's like, don't pretend the dialogue matters when it doesn't. Um, right. But this game, your dialogue choices make a huge difference and impact on story. And that was new for me. So I really don't have, uh, I have to tell our audience, I do not have the experience of listening or playing Fallout to compare to, of playing Mass Effect to compare to. Um, This is the first for me as far as the flow of that game is gone. But yeah, you're right. In other other essences, it was, it did remind me a lot of Skyrim. So I did feel at home uh, a lot of the time, Josh. Yeah. Would you uh, have preferred, so this might be getting a little bit more into like world presentation um, and out of impressions, but would you have preferred that the game was one singular location or did you like the spread out planets in that particular section of the galaxy? I liked, um, 
I like the idea of spread out planets or ships or what have you. Um, I did not care for the fact that, um, <laughs> pardon me, pardon me. Um, I did not care for the fact that y- not every planet was available, unless I missed something. But when you draw that map open, like you, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't go to every planet that's listed on the thingy, you know. And I also didn't like the fact that um, this is a specific gripe, but Byzantium was on the same planet that uh, Everwell was, or whatever Everglade. That was weird too. It was on Terra too. I was like, wait, wait, wait. It's wait. It's the same planet, but I have to like travel to it separately, you know, different. Oh, like, you're right. Yeah, that annoyed yeah. me a little bit. It's like. So it's not truly open world. It's just a bunch of mini maps connected, but they were on the same planet. I just thought that was a design flaw, you know, for one. So mm-hmm. first gripe I can list right there. Um, not that that's a huge deal. It's just for me, it was a little frustrating. It's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Why is like Byzantium not the giant floating metropolis that's in the center of the solar system, which looked mechanical anyway? That would have been mm-hmm. cool. Like that's what I was expecting, and then it didn't happen. So which is whatever. It's fine. Just a design choice. But um, the I would have preferred true open world in the sense that like Skyrim you can go from Markarth to Riften without having to uh fast travel right but you can't go from uh Everwell to Byzantium even though it's on the same planet without fast traveling does that make sense so yeah. it wasn't quite like the same place and so it was a pseudo open world a little bit but yeah. um but yeah that was that was a little annoying for me but you know, most mostly the same feel as like Skyrim and stuff, but mostly the same you? feel. But I do think it does yeah. miss out on that, just like the the joy of exploration, I guess, of walking from one point on the map to another, and along the way, kind of discovering stuff. Yeah, because it's all bite sized, like it's all just like smaller maps. Yes, uh, you tend to just go from X to Y and. And a lot of times you just fast travel to the nearest point and then the only thing of interest near that fast travel point is why, you know, whatever that um, thing you're doing is. Yeah. And so there's a lot less of an organic like, oh, I I got over this mountain and there's a town down there that I didn't realize or like I hadn't quite highlighted yet. Yep. So let's go check this out. And then all of a sudden all these new um quests and side quests and stuff open up for you like that yes. happened a lot less than i was expecting and so the it became less about the journey from character to character and the world itself and more about the specific conversations with the characters and then you know whatever action you needed to continue that yes and that's a that's a good incentive i think like the game does a really and i was very surprised at how actually truly enjoyable the dialogue is and the way that it plays out the options that you have just the player agency that's given to you in it but that's the main appeal i think it's not so much uh the the world itself per yeah. se yeah the focus is not on you know to to uh, you know exploration like it is in skyrim uh like it is in breath of the wild especially the focus is definitely on quests specific quests um it's on um dialoguing absolutely you're right the focus is definitely different it's not about what's over the next hill it's about who's over the next hill and and that that changes the the focus of the game for sure um 
I, I agree with you. It's not true open world. Like, there are boundaries to the map. Um, I thought the worlds were varied and, and unique and different and interesting, but I also, you know, was disappointed by um, the lack of true open world gaming in the sense that of its enormity. You know, the enormity was lacking. It was more bite-sized, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and because of that, just it kind of limits itself um, because when you don't have a big open area that you've layered over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Instead, you have one small area that you layered over once, you know, sprinkled quests over the top of it, but it's not going to have that extra layer of um, surprises for you right. along the way. Right. I, I will say, by the end of my playthrough, I appreciated this game in ways that I was not expecting. Um, it's surprisingly polished. Did you you played this? I'm assuming on the Xbox. No, I correct? played. Or did on you play Switch. on the Switch? Yeah, you played, I played on, on the Switch. Switch. Okay, yeah. so I'm curious to see what your experience was because I played it on my PlayStation. So it's it was you know it was built for the the bigger consoles. So uh, very polished, great visuals, music. Um, well, the music's kind of generic and actually kind of boring so i take that back but like the visual side of things i was not expecting because when the last game i played that was like this was fallout 4 and mm-hmm. fallout 4 is janky and it's using the old bethesda system um, yeah and so it's just like it, it it was showing its age a lot and this one is like no no we're, we're gonna take the same ideas but we're gonna give you a nice new engine and because of that i i i thought it was better looking than i was expecting yeah and i give it props for that like there was several moments where i would just like stop and stare up at the sky yeah like it's just like the sky boxes in this game are awesome like actually cool like i actually stopped my wife and told her to look at the game <laughs> just just look at the sky like yeah. the planetary like it's very obviously it's sci-fi so like it's, it's planets and stars and stuff but they look good and I was not expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that was my, like, by the, I guess my overall impression, I would say just to wrap that up is it is surprisingly good. <laughs> the yes. Whole thing. Yeah. Um, it, so. it did catch me off guard because at a price point of right now sitting at, you know, on a target shelf for 20 bucks across all platforms um, at, you know, at a discounted price point, it really gives you way, you know, a much bigger bang for your buck than you're expecting for sure. Much more did than that I was translate. Ex- on the switch yeah yeah it did um I, I i don't think it was as impressive visually but the game is running the unreal engine 3 so you know it's it's an updated from you know the fallout 4 which uses i think the first or second edition of the unreal engine but um no it, it ran fine and uh it looked okay you know it's tolerable not as good but i also knew that i was playing on a lesser console so i was okay with it you know what i mean like you kind of make amends for that but um no, I, I thought it was stunning as well. I loved the world design. I loved the world design. Maybe not the size of it, like I like we mentioned earlier, but mm-hmm. like Mon- Monarch being like a barren wasteland of a planet, and then you know Edgewater um, being a um, you know a, a, a kind of a, a frontier city in a kind of a grassland area, um, and Scylla, the asteroid planet, was super dope too. That was a really good looking planet. Um, and then Byzantium being the metropolis city, you know, I yeah. love the world design of each of these different planets and areas. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, really loved the variety and what they did with everything. Um, 
uh, the groundbreaker and all that different stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. I was I was stunned repeatedly at maps uh, map uh, design, especially that first impression when you you know land on the landing pad in these different areas and you exit your ship onto the planet for the first time and you're just like whoa, you know it does it every time yeah. I I landed in some place new I was like whoa you know that's really cool, um, and you know it it was it was um, enjoyable certainly more than I bargained for and and two. Now that you know we're, we're talking about design and stuff, um, character design was very pleasantly diverse. There wasn't a single yeah. person that was alike another, and you know you could say the same for weapons and armor suits. Like the 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 art style and the for you know um, the things that they created to represent these different like guns and weapons and 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 armor and all that different stuff was pleasantly unique in many different ways very epic for sure yeah yeah i agree it's thought out uh, all the factions you could just visually tell yep. who was who oh yeah which is smart design right there yeah um and there's a lot of factions there's a lot of smaller companies and like outside groups that are you know, clashing heads and whatnot that you meet. And so having those distinctions and, and getting to know all the different groups too helps with that for sure. But like the, the design side of it is pretty great. I mean, I, I will take issue with one thing you said is that each person is unique because that applies certainly to the named NPCs, but there's a lot of no name NPCs that are just cut and paste you know yeah that's fair of, that's of a each fair other. like you yes. got like iconoclast agitator and then it's just like some guy who's yep and then right next to him is iconoclast agitator and they both look exactly the same yes you're exactly <laughs> right and yeah and soldiers of enemy factions obviously have all the you know they're all wearing that same armor so if you have you know what i mean you're exactly right yeah that's that's an important distinction to make it wasn't that diverse <laughs> um yeah no that's but it's that's it's, exactly right. it's still within the the actual like so if, if the person's name is cora then you know they're not iconoclast agitator number seven or whatever and so you know you probably have some dialogue with them they might yes. give you a quest um they have their own personality uh their own issues and so that was always exciting was like I and that was something I kind of got just became second nature but like I would scan around whatever town I just came into and as I saw like the generic name I'd be like okay I'll keep in mind that's the generic name for this area and I want to find people that have unique names now and then that would help me get a lot of the side quests in that area so it does work in your favor um but just wanted to make that distinction I yeah absolutely I think as far like just to wrap up my thoughts on presentation, it it was it was good like and more than what I expect from this type of game. And what really exemplified that for me was the Devil's Peak on Monarch. Mm-hmm. Um, the caverns were so cool. Oh yeah. When you go in there, I don't know if you remember that particular mission, but like you're going up to uh, like um, Sal Tower or something that's at the top of the mountain, and yep. you have to go through the caverns of the mountain, and you go in, and it's like these uh, crystal-like caves, but it's not like in your face; it's like darker colors and purples, and um, the enemies in there, of course, like are some weird, random. I think they're the creatures that are outside. I can't remember which ones are on that particular planet, but. Like, I, I just remember getting there and being like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is cool. This game is 
impressive in the visuals department. Like, it's actually eye candy. And I was not expecting that at all from this game. You know, I kind of go into, like, if Naughty Dog makes a game, I know that Last of Us Part Two right, is going to look right and, right and have those eye candy moments. And the Outer Worlds being from a city, I just didn't expect it. So, like, that being there was really awesome and made this feel like... I know it seems like a small thing, but like I I really think presentation is huge in games because it can it can take the level and the quality of the experience to the next level. Yes, um, and I think Outer Worlds really does that for itself. For and sure. And the overall uh, design theme of the game is this like retro futuristic, like if the fifties and sixties went to space. And I love yeah, that. they very you know, much like, stole from Fallout. Oh yeah, in that regard. Oh, yeah. And it is the spiritual successor to Fallout in many, many ways from what I've read. Again, I have not played Fallout games. Uh, I will. Well, actually. they did. They did New Vegas. So um, Bethesda actually gave Obsidian the Fallout title for right. one particular game. But then that was the only one they ever did. And they went back to their internal teams for four. But Vegas, New Vegas is like a lot of people's favorites of of all of Bethesda games. So for them to now say, okay, we're not allowed to work on Fallout anymore, but we want to do that, you know, in our own way and to knock it out of the park as well as they did here is, is impressive. Very impressive for sure. Yes. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. Um, I love the design style and, you know, you get the, a lot of that fifties monikers like, you know, Auntie Cleo and Spacer's, yeah. Spacer's yeah, yeah. choice, you know, all that stuff was like that old, old timey. And two, like, the 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 tone visually of the game is actually set by that um that font style and aesthetic when the loading mm-hmm. screen has you know the unreliable and then the outer worlds at that like 33 degree slant and it goes right alongside the ship lines up with the outer worlds title and that funky font you know you know what i mean yep. like you know what i'm talking about Very that stylish. loading screen yeah it really sets the tone for how this game is going to look like just a nice Formal presentation of what you can expect throughout. Loading screens, of course, keep that consistent with like old timey looking schematics with a modern flair. Um, really enjoyed that. Like um, like journal entries, really is what it was was for a lot of it. And um, no, it was good stuff. The presentation, enemy design, especially the creatures on each planet. I mean, there's only like what five or six to pick from, really. I mean, you you're kind of. Right. But but at the same time, the creativity within those creatures was really cool too, and uh, no, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, v- visually, um, excellent, unique, clever, uh, really good stuff. Really, don't have many complaints in the presentation department for sure. Does that have a name? That particular style? Because you see it in other stuff, like yeah, retro, futuristic, and then if you have, uh, you know. That's really the title. It's kind of a catch-all. Um, if you see a 50s-style diner, but they have modern flair, it's technically retro-futuristic. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Run um, by robots. And yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So Handled I, by a corrupt yep. organization. <laughs> corrupt yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that is the, the catch-all term, really. Um, yeah. But, yeah. How did you... So, thinking along those lines, how, what did you think of the menus? Yeah, I, the menus were tolerable. I, I really, you know, I got around well enough. The triggers, uh, having multiple ways of scrolling through menus and submenus by using the triggers, I liked that. Um, it was yeah. unique and different. Um, you know, instead of having, you know, 
going to this and then doing a scroll down, you just have the submenu already in there and you use the top and bottom triggers or the, uh, yeah, sorry, the left and right top triggers or the left and right bottom triggers to scroll through uh, overall classes. So like, um, for instance, your skill points, right? You go to character and then below that you select skill perk or whatever using the the ZT triggers or whatever it was. Uh, I'm not describing it very well for you know, like for the switch, um, but that I liked that. I think it made the menus flow a little bit smoothly, uh, more smoother, more smoother. My goodness, I can't speak today. It, I think it made the menus flow more smoothly than other menuing styles, um, although it took a little bit of getting used to. But I liked it. It wasn't nearly as clunky as some other games. Um, yeah. So yeah, what uh, what makes you bring up that? Did you have a issue navigating the menus at times or what? Um, well, just thinking along the lines of design, I don't think I had any particular issues personally. There is a bit of a learning curve and there are specific things that you're going to want to get used to. Like for instance, um, if you hold down, at least on the PlayStation controller, if you hold down the touchpad, I don't know what button it was for you to bring up like your menus. Um, it'll go straight to the map, which is nice because typically it opened up on, I think, inventory for me. So I'd have to click over a couple to get to the map, and instead of having to go through that, I could just hold it down. And it tells you that. like It tells you, hey, here's a shortcut. And same with sorting on the quest screen. You can sort them based on location, which I very much preferred because I was in that, you know, I was on that planet. (laughs) So I didn't want to travel all the way across the galaxy if I didn't have to. Uh, so I would just try and clean up everything in that area before I moved on. But when you go to the quest level screen on your menu, uh, you don't have it sorted that way. But all you got to do is hit square and it tells you that at the bottom and yeah. then it'll sort it how you want it. So there's like, if you don't know to press square, you're going to be like, Oh, well, where is, I can't tell what location or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it has that option there for you. And after you kind of learn those little tricks, you're good to go. Yeah, with the menu, um, I did and, find. And yeah. for the amount of time, like for the amount of time that I spent jumping in and out of these menus, it was smooth. I appreciated that for sure. Yes. I would because you will spend time like getting rid of items because you're overweight, and you'll spend time like going to the map to fast travel and so on. It's adding skill points, whatever it is. So the fact that it's it's clear enough and handles well, I think is to the game's benefit for sure because if it didn't, man, this would have been a lot more of a painful experience. Yeah. I um I I agree with that for the most part. I did find equipping and unequipping to be tedious uh and annoying at times. Yes. And the compare tool was often it wasn't distinct enough, so it was, you know, I don't know, kind of a switcheroo with my eyes sometimes. It's like, no, 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 the one I'm looking for is on the left, not the right, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so that was a little tedious at times, so it could have been smoother, I think, if you had um, some way to... And two, like, I don't think you could actually, like, swap out a weapon that you were holding in your hands either. Like, it wouldn't let you do that. Was that just me? Like, was I missing something? Swap out? Like... Yeah, like it what wouldn't would... let me. Like if I had, if I was holding off a sawed-off shotgun, and I wanted to use a pistol in that slot instead, I had to like exit out of the menu, change to the other weapon that I was okay keeping. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Uh, maybe yeah, I was. If doing you were actually wrong. holding the weapon yeah. at the time, it wouldn't let you unequip it. Yeah, that was super annoying. Yeah, I that got like so stuff mad like that multiple times. I was like, I, no, 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 this is the menu. I should be able to like <laughs> unequip and change whatever I want to right now. Right. Like, yeah, so things like that were a little tedious. Uh, again, the comparison tool. 
Um, and then trying to like um, using the triggers made it faster, but at the same time trying to adjust what my teammates like. For instance, in the Skyrim menu, you're you you can scroll all the way down to everything that you're holding, and it'll give you your characters what they're holding, and you can just switch out easy, you know, and pick up or give them stuff to increase capacity. With my other characters, it was included in there, so your capacity didn't change even if they had different weapons or whatever. So it was that was a little annoying at times. I couldn't make use of them being with me to carry extra stuff um, yeah. unless I missed something. But um, I don't think I did. But yeah, so there there's some things, I, just a direct comparison to Skyrim. Some things were lacking. Some things were a little bit better. I did really like the triggers to get around menus. I thought that was much faster and smoother. So I'm with you. Um, I don't know if the switch had a push down option. I'm sure it did. I probably just missed it, mi- mi- <laughs> missed it, missed it. But um, <laughs> getting to the menu map, I didn't find super tedious. Although I did have to scroll over, like you said. So, um, but yeah, um, just I almost transformed into Sean Connery there for a second. I know. I know. Um, Shake it, so, not stirred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so gameplay, Jared. So we talk about presentation. Gameplay wise, did you find this game fun? Would you attribute the word fun to this game? I would attribute the word outdated to this game's gameplay. <laughs> okay. This is where yeah, well this is where the game definitely lacks the most in my opinion. This is space. You should have a jetpack or the ability to slide or worlds with different gravity requirements. Or you see what I'm saying? Like this is yeah. space. The fact that I had to just sprint like normal and I couldn't do the Here's the thing. When I play a first-person shooter, I'm expecting to have near Call of Duty gameplay mechanics. Does that make sense? Like, is it an unfair expectation? Probably. But that's what I'm expecting. Like, I'm seeing a gun in my hand. I'm playing first-person. I should be able to slide down and behind cover. I should be able to go prone. I should be able to do all this different stuff. And I just found the gameplay to be old and slow and kind of rickety and blocky a little bit. Like, where was my jetpack? Where was my, you know... a ability to slide around where was my um oh, i don't even know like just just more of that stuff where was where yeah. was my grenades where was my this where was my that you know where's the ability to set up landmines where was my and you had a tiny little bit of that with some of the science weapons uh, that would like make sometimes the 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 shrink ray that you found in phineas's lab would make someone smaller but it would make them smaller for such a short amount of time that you couldn't switch to another weapon and finish them off when they were small. Like it just, right. they, they got back up to normal size within like five seconds. It was more a gimmick than an actual gameplay thing, despite the game advertising it to you like a gameplay mechanic. So there was a couple things like that, the goop thing or, or the anti-grav gun or whatever else. Those are fun, good ideas, but poorly executed um, in 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 many instances, if not all of them. So I didn't end up using those, but I felt obligated to carry them around because they were so unique. I'm like, I'm not selling this. You know what I mean? But because of the carry weight, here's the thing. Skyrim makes use of the carry weight mechanic. Like you can only carry so much by having homes that you can purchase to put all your crap in. You know, like even if you only, even if you only walk into your home and drop everything on the floor and it looks like a mess, at least it's there, relatively organized. This game, there's no option for that. So you are buying and selling quite a bit and carrying, worrying about your carry weight maybe more than you should. 
And with when it comes to that, it's like, don't give me useless items. Like, don't do that to me. Um, you know what I mean? So there was there was some of that. I just felt like the gameplay in general was a bit lacking. It wasn't modern enough. Um, there's so much more that you could have done with space and to have it be stuck in a much more, linear is not really the right word, but like rigid format for combat took away from the game in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the gunplay specifically was just a little too basic and yes. you want more fun there like yes. you want more like you I, I think the word you didn't necessarily use but that you were exemplifying was just variety yeah like where are the fun borderlands weapons where are the cool ratchet and clank upgrades where are these like great ingenious obviously fiction but like tied to science um, ideas yeah. throughout the gameplay, and it's, it's just not there. You've got four basic weapons. You aim, you shoot. Uh, you can slow down time to make things a little easier, which is a carryover from Fallout. But otherwise, you're you're confined to like using your companions' abilities and then just trying to not die. <laughs> yes, as you're shooting all these different you know marauders or whatever it is. And so the gunplay specifically is, yeah, I'd say it feels old, especially compared to other first-person shooters. It feels basic, very basic. Um, and that that might be because they had a smaller budget. It works, you know. It gets the job done, and you're able to get from point to point. And sometimes, you know, you could have fun, especially as you get more and more powerful. Like, it, it feels a little better to go through and clear out an area, but you're not going to be, like... Uh, you're not going to get any adrenaline rush or anything from these gunfights. And so because of that, it does kind of feel like a uh, backseat part of this game, which you wouldn't necessarily expect from an open-world first-person shooter. Right. Um, but they certainly, I think, focus more in on the the dialogue, the the character side of things yes. um, than on the actual gunplay. Yeah. So because of that, I think the the gameplay certainly suffers in small ways. I, I would say it's a step up from Fallout. So if you ever played a Fallout game, those have pretty terrible yeah. gun combat setups as well. <laughs> so this yeah. is a little better than that. Um, but it's not any better. It, it, it doesn't reach Borderlands levels, I would say, is like a good comparison of another FPS RPG Yes. Um, doesn't quite reach that level. Yeah, so. and I think um, the variety could have been explained a little bit better. Like, you're, you're going to be forced... So here's the thing. Here's, here's what's a little funky. You have four weapon slots and three types of ammo. Okay? A and additionally, you have melee weapons. And here's just one small improvement I feel like maybe might not have been too difficult to make. But, like, they put such an emphasis on the science weapons, so so much so as to, like, make quest lines for them, that you have to go and find these science weapons, that it should have been a fourth type of ammo. It should have been science weapon ammo or whatever you want to call it, you know, um, I don't know, plasma, you know. And to use – then you make those weapons overpowered, like the shrink ray, for instance. It shrinks a baddie down in, like – less than three seconds. So you point it at someone and it shoots them down in less than three seconds. So they kind of disappear into the quantum realm, right? Like like Ant-Man. And that's how you kill them with a the shrink ray. But because plasma ammo is so hard to find, it can be OP because you're not using it all the time. Does that make sense? But because of the lack of, I don't know, not, not variety per se, but just like 
a mismanagement of what should have been more special and more unique about um, the game's weapons, for sure, in my personal opinion. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, if I explain that clearly. But yeah. um, but then, two, you're fighting auto-mechanicals, you're fighting nature creatures, and then you're also fighting human beings with armor. So that's kind of where your your ammo comes in. But like, what the game should have done is like, hey, energy cells work best against auto-mechanicals, Light armor or light weaponry, uh, sorry, light ammo works best against humans. Heavy ammo works best against creatures. And then you're forced to use some, I don't know if that's actually how it worked. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I just noticed some bullets didn't do anything against auto mechanicals and some did. And then some, you know, I had a hard time doing against whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's just some, like make that a little bit more clear as in like this ammo goes against this foe, mix and match a little bit better. Uh, and and do it that way because I was I was struggling to figure out what and I was like okay I guess I should have one of each in my inventory and then you know yada 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 um, so you know I don't want to complain without offering a solution but I, even me as like a non really I don't really know what I'm talking about I'm not a coder or anything I just thought like oh this is something they could have done here to improve that concept here uh, just expand yeah. it just a little bit. Um, what did you think of the skill allocation of the skill points and the perks and all that stuff? You know, I thought it was fine. I thought it did a good job. I, I had a good time with it. I I focused on dialogue. So persuasion, intimidation, um, lying, anything along those lines. I tried to just... So I dumped a ton of points into my dialogue side of things and the hacking side of things. But I, because of that, I had a hard time in combat a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, getting killed quite a bit by random monsters because I was just underpowered yeah. on that side of things. But it made the game, I think, I thought, I, I had a really good time with that playthrough because it was like, I was like a conversation master. Yes. So those, I was really able to take advantage of the dialogue trees and the, and you're, you're talking a lot and you're having conversations a lot. Yes. So it felt like it was worth the investment for sure. Yeah. Um, so from that side of things, I thought it was perfectly fine. It does feel very simple outside of the character, um, connections, like what you got, melee or um uh guns what weapons two like one-handed two-handed weapons right and those are like your only two combat trees and then maybe defense you can throw in there but otherwise it feels kind of lacking like i mean talking about and i i know we're making this comparison a lot but skyrim you've got like spell trees and you've got uh one-handed weapons and two-handed weapons and right. Um, like stealth and bow and arrow and like all kinds of different uh, skill trees, right? And so because of that, you can really hone in. But otherwise, um, like uh, outside of like the dialogue stuff, I don't know if there's like specialization that can be happening here in this game. At least not as much. Yes, and at least not specialization that's super attractive because to be honest, when I, when I saw that, you know, you look at dialogue and it's like persuade, intimidate, lie, right? And then I was like, ooh, ooh. If I have these three options here in dialogue, then I'm going to have at least those three options in major um, situations going forward. Right. And that's exactly what I did. I did the same thing you did. I put a bunch of points into that 
category. I did science uh, and dialogue for almost all of my perk points. So I had massive tech, science, engineering skills um, all the way up. And then I, I had massive dialogue skills as well. And I died a decent amount. It's kind of funny that we both chose the same thing because we didn't talk about it. But um, but that I feel game, like that's the fun way to do it. Like it was just a good time. Yes, exactly. And I feel like that made the game more rich because I had more options. Yes. It's like I could lie to this character or I could persuade them or I could intimidate them. I had all three to choose from. Which one am I going to go for, you know? So, um, and and two, each, it's not like persuade, hey, you need to let me through here. Intimidate, hey, you need to let me through here. Lie, hey, I need to get through here. You know what I mean? It's not like it was the same thing every time. It was clear and distinct options for each of the skills that you possess led to a, a slightly different route, you know? Uh, and in some cases, a significantly diff- different route. Um, yeah. So I I really enjoyed that. Um, the, yeah, I really felt like it paid off. Like you're, like when you get that first prompt where it says like persuade, but you have to have 100 points in persuade. Yeah. And you have 100 and you use it, you're like, yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it makes a difference in that conversation. And that like, I think it's, we both would agree that the conversations, the dialogue are the star of the show here. Absolutely. Because they're so varied and interesting and fun. And yeah, having these skills built up, you're able to take advantage of that. And it makes your playthrough way more interesting. Like, I don't, I couldn't imagine trying to play through this game and seeing those options, but they're all blocked off because I'm not high enough of a level. Right. Uh, I would find that super annoying. And every now and then I'd come across one where I was like, ah, I'm not medical level 66 yet you know yeah so i can't quite use that option but now i know like let's let's put more points into that so that next time that comes up i'm ready to go but yeah so from from that side of things it's actually really rewarding and on top of that the dialogue is rewarding because you actually get xp by using those yes yes so you're actually in so it's not just lie because you're a liar you lie because you're given that option you had enough points in your lie tree um and then you also get xp for lying yes. <laughs> so like yes. it it reinforces there and that i thought that was super smart and i thought that that was like uh the main appeal like i i enjoyed getting xp from dialogue more than i did from exploration or combat, you know, the other areas that you can get it from. So, yeah, uh, I thought they did a really great job with that part of the game. I, um, speaking of, um, dialogue and stuff, what, uh, companions did you end up with by the end? I pretty much just stuck with the ones that I got. So I didn't send anyone away. Um, okay. So early game, I'm, I'm trying to think of all their names. I know I had, um, Parvati, yep. Uh, Vicar Max, uh, the you Sam. Had, wait, 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 wait. One more time. You had who? V- Vicar Max. I think oh, Vicar. You, so you made Vicar part of your party. Okay. Yeah, the Vicar. Um, what it was this black chick who was drinking all the time? What was Nioka. Yes, Nioka. Um, Kyle, I think his name was. <laughs> where'd you get? Where'd you get him? Um, he was, no, no, it was Felix. It was Felix. Felix, yep. Yep. Felix, he ran up to me, um, when I was, I think I was on the, um, so the, is the ship. Groundbreaker, yeah. Yeah, the Groundbreaker. Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, and then Allie, who was also at Groundbreaker. Who? Uh, well, Ellie? Al, yeah, Allie. She was in the medical dock. Yep. And I had to, like, go and help her friend who was hiding back there. And she's one of, like, I recognized her from the ad campaigns, 
and I can tell why she's got a lot of spunk and personality. So yeah, um, Ellie was those. So those are my companions. I think that's all of them. That's all of them. Okay. Did you end up doing yeah. the uh, the Sam on the the ship, the janitor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah I mentioned him the um, the robot. Yeah, is he a companion you can choose? Yep. Okay, so I never fixed him, but I I had a feeling that's what would happen if you did. But um, yeah, my companions were all yeah, the same. Yeah, he's great in combat. Oh, was he? Okay. I had all yeah. of the same companions except the Vicar. Uh, I never finished his storyline. I just got off of Edgewater too fast. But um, I had Ellie was my favorite by far. Um, she was. Yeah. She's so uh, sassy, and she's got such an interesting storyline. Did you meet her parents in Byzantium? No, I don't think so. I don't think I finished her whole thing. That was such a weird quest, dude. <laughs> but um, but you um, did you do Pavrotti's like love story on the Groundbreaker? I I shut that one down. Oh, okay, all right. And then yeah, yeah so, I shut it down early. And then did you do Nioka's companion quest on Monarch? Yes. Okay, all right. Yes. How did that one turn out? Um, let me think. Was it like depressing? Yeah, it was sad because her friends had you had to you go get the medals and you go kill the queen Manticore or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, so from that side, I don't think I was paying close enough attention to like her dialogue because I knew it was going on, so I wasn't like I think that was one of the quests I kind of was doing on autopilot. Yeah. So I don't think it resonated as much. I actually really liked Vicar Max's yeah quest. And him as a character, because he's, he's, when you first meet him, he's like the head of like their religion or whatever. He's like, yeah. basically like a, one of their bishops or, you know, a Catholic church leader sort of thing. And as you get to know him, turns out he's like really good at hand-to-hand combat and he has skills with hacking and he uses a shotgun and just like brutalizes people. And you're like, what in the world is this guy doing? <laughs> Um, and like, where in the world did he come? And like, and you get to know him and like his backstory and like why he is that way and how he's kind of like strayed from the faith in the past and whatnot. So I liked him for sure. Just like my pastor back home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just like good old pastor Jim. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, no, that, that, the reason I ask you about all those characters is because this game has a very depressing overtone to it for sure. It does. It's, it's nihilistic. Very nihilistic. Yeah, it's like every everything goes wrong. No one cares. Everyone wishes or doesn't mind violence on other people as long as it's not them. Everyone's very selfish. I was shocked a lot of the time. Did you do the um, early retirement quest? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't sound familiar. Okay, there's a woman that you meet on a park bench in Byzantium, who's talking. She's outside of the um, mayor's home that you have to break into for the main quest line. Um, yeah. she's off to the right or something like that. So she'll complain about you if you get close, calling you riffraff, that you shouldn't be in the city. And then she she starts you on this quest called Early Retri- Retirement. And when you go, spoilers ahead, please. Uh, and when you go ahead to the Early Retirement and you go check it out, you find out that the early retirees are just being slaughtered. They're, they're literally, these corporations are saying, hey, early retirement, come live in Byzantium and your own special place with your own uh, spot and whatever else. And you take the elevator down to where they go for the early retirement. And as that elevator descends, it gets grimier and it gets dirtier. And you start to see blood stains. And then the door opens and there's just bodies on the floor everywhere and robots ro- roaming around killing. Yeah, it's brutal. And the game is just, there's nothing you could do about that quest except survive 
and kill the robots and escape somehow. Uh, it is brutal. Did that count as like a botched quest? Nope, nope. That's what you're supposed to do. And when you report back to that lady who asked you to investigate it, she is happy that that's what's happening to all the riffraff that's coming into her city. She's like <laughs> a, tr- a truly maniacal elite. And that's exactly what this yeah. game does. It, it, it displays the worst of elites versus the lower classes um, yep. in yeah. many, many ways. Uh, it's really just a brutal take on the worst of uh, corporatocracy, which, again, controls the media, controls the government, controls everything. Money, 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 money. Um, and, yeah, there's some depth to, you know, we were talking about characters, we are talking about dialogue. I love that each of these characters has such an in-depth backstory, as, as much as one you can expect in a video game. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't ask them about the weather, you can't get to know them, you can't ask them what their spirituality is. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not actual human connection, but for a video game, like, daggum, dude, I was super impressed with how far you could go into each of their backstories and get to know them yeah. and talk with them. I thought that's definitely... That and the dialogue is the shining star of this game for sure. Um, yep, characters and dialogue for sure are the reason. Yeah, and it's and it's always something interesting or bizarre or yeah, goofy or terrifying. Yeah, it's never boring. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I was trying to clear my throat. Um, You're good. Yeah, I I, I like the variety in your responses as well and it seems like this is that's one thing this game does that a lot of other games um well this is that's one thing this game doesn't do a lot of other games do that really annoys me is you'll pick a dialogue prompt and then your character will say something different but like around like but you were like oh i didn't know it was gonna be taken that way uh but this game is so well written that you your character doesn't speak for one, so when you actually pick the prompt, you're picking whatever that sentence was. Yes. Very specifically, those words, and then they respond in kind to yes. that. And so I, I really appreciated that. It's very thought out, and it's all written there for me, and it's not going to try and surprise me with the response to it. Like you get an idea of where it's going, and because of that, you can manipulate it how you want. And I really liked when a conversation went well. Like that was like the high point of this game for me. Like when I squeezed out all the possibilities, I opened up some dope quest line or I got some funny response from the person or like, uh, got, you know, to, to know them in some interesting way or get some little tidbit of, of dialogue from them that I wouldn't have if I hadn't been exploring all the options. And yeah. So like from, from a personal side of things, those, those, conversations were really what sealed the deal. And then the quest lines themselves, of course, being full of character in their own right and having a lot of interesting uh, conclusions to them. Did you have a particular favorite quest? Um, no, not, not particularly. I thought that the... There was a, uh, there was a small quest on a satellite where a killer, a, a maniacal, psychotic killer who meant well, so I guess he's not maniacal, I guess. I don't know. Um, he he meant well, but he kept hearing voices. And he's mm. like, the voices told him to kill people. And so he finally just offed himself. And so your was quest... Was that on, um, what was it, like H29? Yep, yep. So okay, they, yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, that's some, there's a quest you get from the Groundbreaker, and they send you to, just, to see why the signal is stopped sending. And it's this guy who's alone on a satellite who just... He kills himself because he he knows he can't stop 
wanting to kill other people. So it, that's an interesting. It's like a mini run through of a small, small detective, and you kind of pick up the journal pieces as you go, and uh, you're reading about it, and he's getting crazier and crazier, and that was interesting. It's just a simple little quest line. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then um, Monarch too, as a whole planet, had really good quest yes. lines. I really like Monarch. Say, yeah, yeah. Most of the the storytelling on Monarch was top notch. Yeah. I think that's where the quest I was going to mention was I it, I don't actually it might not be my monarch but it was the first time that you begin to realize like oh I how I handle these conversations is going to change this quest yes because um, you go into a building and there are marauders and hooligans who have taken over and you're working you know you got sent there by the local mayor I'm, I can't remember honest I wish I did I can't remember what companies were involved here but. Uh, you get there, and the the company soldiers are all in the lobby, and they explain to you like, "Oh yeah, we we caught all, we blocked off the en- exits, so the marauders are all trapped in there with a bunch of the raptids. I think that's what those monsters yeah. are called. Um, so he's like, "Yeah, so they're all just raptid food at this point, so we're gonna leave them in there. And then when you go into the marauders, because you're trying to get like research." Um, for the mayor. Uh, but when you go in there, you actually run into the leader and the leader is stuck in a cage. And he's like, Hey, help me out. And then you go to talk to them and they explain why they're there. And you kind of like start to feel for them. And you're like, yes. man, okay. Yes. Yeah. Like what you were doing was kind of justified. And you have, I mean, obviously you're marauders. So like, you don't have like pure intentions, but you almost have better intentions than um, the mayor at the local town does. And at that point, in the middle of that conversation, I, I realized, oh, I have options here. And yes. sure enough, like the the whole quest popped open and it was like, okay, here are your three routes. Like option one, go yep. and give the research to the mayor and kill all of the marauders. Right. Option two, uh, save the marauders, kill all of the soldiers. Option three, um, work it out and let them all go without getting killed you know yeah. and that was the one i went for and it was it required a little bit more work and i had to have high levels of dialogue skills uh in order to persuade and lie and whatnot to get what i wanted but once i did that i was i was rewarded by getting the ending that i wanted yeah and i put in the time and i was able and so like because of that i was like i felt so fulfilled in that particular quest and i just wanted more of that and it does that on a large scale in monarch yeah which is why I think it's not Monarch that that particular situation. It's not. It's Roseway. It's probably Terra. On Terra Ter- Roseway. Yeah. Yeah. On Terra too. Okay. Yeah. So I do. I, I was mistaken on that, but, um, yeah. So like those those particular missions were my favorite when like you could kind of like get two sides oh, to yeah. come to terms, or you could join one side and just screw over the other side. Whatever you know, like it's totally up to you. And there's no black or white. You're not gonna get like you get reputation bumps with particular groups and companies, mm-hmm. but it's not going to affect other areas of the maps, which I appreciated, you know, um, which is a lot like Skyrim where like you go into, if you go into Winterfell and kill everybody, then all the Winterfell soldiers are going to be looking for you. Right. Um, right but that's not right. going to translate over to any of the other towns. And same thing here. Um, so you're, you're going to make enemies and you're going to close off quest lines depending on your, your decisions. But, that I thought was very, um, it was very gratifying. It gave me the agency that I was hoping, uh, I guess not hoping, but like that I, that I love from games like yeah. this, like that, 
that I think the games like this do well. That's and, what that's what true role play should be is that you actually yeah. feel like you have a choice in the matter that you actually are this person in this situation. Here's what you would do, and here's the outcome. Um, and I just wanted to say, like, you're exactly right. Like other games, when you have a dialogue option, it's like you can choose to be silent, you can choose sarcasm, or you can sh- you can choose attack or be angry or whatever. You know, it's vague, and then you don't know exactly how that's going to go. But because, and you made this comment, I just want to repeat it: the that the dialogue is so well written for this game. What you know that when you say something, it's going to have this effect. It's very clear. Your character's lines are very straightforward, uh, and it's it's most of the time very obvious how this is going to go if you say that. Uh, and so you do have the true freedom of choice, uh, and that's really nice for sure. Um, yeah, unlike Fire Emblem, right, where you'd say something and your your head of house like disapproved, and you're like, I don't even know why you dis like I don't know what I said. Right, <laughs> like- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So very different from that for sure. Yeah. And the game is very self-aware, so it's funny. It's amusing. Yeah, um, I did so laugh I, a I couple liked that times for, about for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, did you think of the voice acting? Voice acting was great. I thought the voice acting was great. I was like, this, you know, very compelling. Um, yeah. It's it's a little funky to have a character that you know. Um, doesn't have a voice, you know, but I can almost like in my head, like when you read a book, you have characters sounding a certain way in your head and the voices in your head. Um, and this was no different, you know, it's like, I could picture myself saying that line, you know, yeah. um, I could picture myself saying, do you really want to do this? I'm going to take your head off. <laughs> uh, and you know, that was, that was enjoyable. I really liked that. I, I felt like, um, for sure the dialogue and the, the tension between, you and this vague, you know, board of directors over these yes. companies and whatever else. I love that tension because yeah. I never actually knew if I was helping them or not helping them because there was so <laughs> many quests early on that really solidified that. Like when you have to determine whether to give the power to the refugees who have left yes. Edgewater or Edgewater itself, and then you get to the end of the game. And it get, it does that dialogue, you know, run through of here's what happened to all the people that you had crossings with, you know, mm-hmm. um, like if you choose to take the power to the refugees and not to Edgewater, it says, yeah, the town, the town um, closed down. And so people fled. And when they went into the refugee camp, some of them were turned away and they probably died in the wilderness because that character that you helped out didn't like the opposite side that you didn't help out. And so they kind of got screwed. Uh, and so you're like, oh shoot, man, maybe I didn't make the right choice. Like even at the very end of the game, after you've beaten it, you're like, oh man, maybe I wonder what would happen if I made a different choice. Um, which is exactly what some of the best games do. Thinking of Undertale, Undertale makes you feel that way when you finish it, man, maybe if I did this different, maybe if I did that different. And, um, you know, that was excellent. I, I loved that. The, the final scroll through of, of all the choices that you made. Some of them, however, were obviously major quest lines, but that didn't get like didn't happen. So there are some characters like Monarch has several settlements. It's like a three or four settlements or something, um, and one of them has um, an agency, or maybe this is a groundbreaker. I don't know. The groundbreaker has an agency in there that's like a mercenary, essentially. Um, and you, I interacted with her. I didn't do a single quest for her, the head of that agency. But at the end of the game, it was it, it had a homage screen to that agency. I was like, I had more dealings with 
other things than with you, but they still gave you an homage screen at the end. That was kind of funky. So there's obviously like some things that were considered main quests that I never even got to. Um, And then some things that were minor quests that were a bigger deal to me, but not a huge deal to the game, you know. But I did love that each character that you were companion with got their own ending, you know. Um, I I enjoyed that. Um, So, yeah. For sure. Yeah, the... The um, the way the game plays out is it makes you feel like you're role playing. I think is the perfect way to explain it. Like you said, like I even I got I would get pulled out of the experience a little bit when people would refer to my character as she because I picked a girl at the start of it, not sure. thinking twice about it. Yep. But I was so immersed in like the dialogue, and I would I would start to pick it like how I thought my character would talk, you know? But it's first person, so I'm not seeing my character. Right, right, right. And then every now and then someone would make a reference to like, oh, yeah, um, you know, this chick's got a, a strong backbone. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, 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 right, and right, right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I'm a chick right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, but it's it's that level of quality of writing you get so immersed in it that it's great. Like it's it's really really well done, and that's and I'm saying that despite the fact that I took issue with the overall message of the game. I would think that yeah. never does end up having any good resolution. I didn't think like no. it's, it's very, like you said, depressed, it's nihilistic. It's very much like companies can only be bad. Everyone is only out for themselves. Um, greed has destroyed this entire idea of yes. a potential colony. Yes. And um, like, even to the point where they're not only not unfreezing everyone on the hope, but they're thinking about actively freezing more people. Yeah just so that they have less mouths to feed. Yeah. Um, and it's just like that message is there the entire time. Of course, when you go into each interplay between all the characters, there's more nuance, but for the most part, they stick to that. And so the overall tone is certainly one I disagree with and that I don't think proved itself to me philosophically. Um, but I was able to put that aside because the actual play-by-play was was uh, fun enough, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt like, yeah, you're right. The, the game has no real resolution. You know, it's like the company's damage to these colonies was, is um, unforgivable and not fixable either. Like, the, you know, the damage is lasting. There's no true happy ending. Life is a grind. It's all uh, depressing and sad. And yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And I really wasn't surprised once that happened just because the overall tone of the game was so depressing the whole time, you know, just materialism without any real substance, just stuff for stuff's sake and, and, you know, to pretend that there's prosperity when there's not and all this different stuff. And, um, and yeah, you know, the, the political messages of the, the series were certainly grim, certainly grim. And that does not change. So that, that was a little bit of an issue for me as well, just because, you know, you feel like your choices make a difference, but then the outcome would have been the same no matter what you did anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's, they make a difference in the moment, but not in the big picture. And that was a little weird. That was a little dichotomy because that's not normal in video games. You know, when you beat Alduin, the world gets, you know, does well after that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. When you when you beat Calamity Ganon, the world gets better, et cetera. I mean, Zelda's a little different, but you know what I mean? Like there's a clear and, and d- distinct end goal. 
And uh, for this game, it really obfuscated the point and made it unclear. So that was unique. That was different. Um, and yeah, I didn't know how to feel about it. It left me with weird emotional residue <laughs> after after I finished yeah. the game, for sure. So yeah, yeah. Um, Any final gripes, Jared? No, no, that was it. The biggest thing was the gameplay for me, for sure. Just lack of verticality when there's so much potential for it. You know, you get stuck in these valleys or up high shooting down low. And the fact that you don't have a jetpack to get around or uh, vehicles or anything like that, you know, um, was annoying at times just because the map was so vertical within its small parameters that it really would have been nice to use all of that verticality in combat, but you don't really. Um, and then the other yeah. thing that I was going to say um, is, is more clarity on uh, definitely enemies and weaknesses and different things like that. Like I used the flamethrower, but it used energy yes. cells. I love the flamethrower. That was a ton of fun. And I didn't use melee weapons at all. And um, but some clarity on what weapons do what to what enemies would have been nice because I kind of had to guess. Yeah. And then two, yeah, and you can you can guess enough that you can get by. But yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not it's not clear. And then I did like um, breaking down things that I wasn't using instead of just selling them. I actually really liked that. Sure. And then uh, you were able to build up weapons or improve them incrementally, you know, with sm- like weapons parts. And sometimes you paid for it. Sometimes you use the weapon parts either way. And you could upgrade your weapons and your armor that way slowly over time. And if you kind of just stuck with a weapon until you absolutely found a better replacement, you could kind of keep up with the pacing of the game's enemies and the difficulty. And I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was great. Um, I played it on casual difficulty, and I was super glad that I did because combat for me was so difficult that my companions died all the time. So I would have yeah. I would have been absolutely out of companions repeatedly had I been playing it on perma, like permadeath difficulty. So I'm really glad I didn't. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? There was one more thing. Lack of vehicles. Um, oh, shoot, it was a good point too. I can't remember what it was. How about you, Josh? Final gripes? Okay, so I've got two major ones here. Um and they're both, I think, just products of this being a smaller budget game. But first and foremost, Jared, the save system in this game is horrible. It is absolutely awful. I hate. I I was so frustrated, annoyed with how the checkpoint, like just automated whatever their save system was doing in the background, was doing. Because ninety percent of the time. I'd forget to like save before I went into an area and then I'd die because I got ambushed by like a huge group I didn't know was in there. And then I would get set back further than I wanted. Yeah. I'd get set back like sometimes even like 10 minutes prior in gameplay. I'm like, what? Yeah. And sometimes I had like had conversations or, um, I, you know, I had made decisions. I had even swapped out some equipment or something. Yeah. And now I have to do that all again. Yep. And it's like, man, like I just went through a loading screen. Like I just went into that building and I had five minutes or whatever of loading. I mean, five minutes is a little bit long, but yeah. um, it couldn't have been like saving at that time yeah. or like as soon as it loads into the next area. Like right. remember, oh, autosave. This is where we start up if this person dies. Right. But that's not what happened. So instead, I get kicked back out of the building. I had to reswap all my weapons. Um, I'd have to have that conversation with that guy again. And then I'd have to load into that building again and wait and sit on my hands. And I just, 
I was so annoyed. Like, I appreciate that it has save scumming ability. So you can, you know, make a decision and then, you know, before you make that major decision, have a save file uh, that's clean of that. So if you want to see how things work out one way or the other, you can kind of play through multiple times. Right. And you lose that with an auto save feature, sure. But I I didn't do enough save scumming for it to be a problem for me. Right. And it was very, very annoying because of that. And it so it forced me to use the actual manual save button constantly yeah way too often and i had to like yeah and i had to get used to just like okay i this might be an area full of enemies i'm gonna save right now so i just stop find somewhere safe save real quick and then move into the and it just felt old yes. because of that yes. like it it felt like a playstation 2 game yep because it was forcing me to do that um the other major gripe i have and one thing that i wish they didn't copy from skyrim were the loading screens the loading screens in this game are actually worse than Skyrim's, in my opinion. They are long. They are constant. If you're not good at fast traveling, like at the start of the game, I was I was not utilizing fast travel as well as I could have been. I, I didn't know that you could fast travel within a town. So I would go, I'd run to the town gate, open up the gate, go into the main area, and then I'd fast travel to the place I needed to be further down on the map. Yeah. And so that's that's one loading screen too many, and the loading screens are not sl- they're not fast. They're they're gonna be there for with you for a while. <laughs> like I had plenty of time every time a loading screen opened up uh, to pull up my phone, answer a couple texts, uh, scroll and look at some memes before the game started up. Again. Really? And yeah, it was bad. And I don't know if it was just something an issue with the PlayStation Four, but like almost every single time there was a loading screen. I was I was sitting and waiting for way longer than I wanted to. Um, and I started to mitigate some of that once I realized, oh, I can back up to just like the regional map specifically and like or like pick specific planets from there. Yeah. Um, but it took me a little while to even get to that point. And even then, the, the amount of loading was just very, very egregious. Uh, my wife put this perfectly, succinctly, and like it totally sums up the things I love about this game and the things I don't like about this game. And she said... Whenever I walk into the room and I see you playing this game, either someone is staring at you, <laughs> you know, you got a dialogue going on uh, and they're like staring into your soul, which I like. I like the classic, you know, the character faces you and you talk and you can kind of see how they're responding back. So I appreciate that. But and that's the part of the game that I like. But she said, I'm, I'm either seeing you talking to someone or I'm seeing a loading screen. Yeah. <laughs> Because it happens so much in this game. And they're not good loading screens, Jared. They're not. Like they're they're well designed and they go along with the um the whole art direction, I guess, the theme of the whole game. And you mentioned that. But they don't have a lot of good information. Right. There's not interesting lore. There's not tips. I mean, okay, there are tips. I take that back. Down at the bottom, they'll give you small gameplay tips. Um, but they kind of cycle through slowly and I just couldn't help but think like even Dark Souls had better loading screens yeah. than this. Like <laughs> it gave you information. It was giving like while you're sitting there, like in Skyrim, you're sitting there, but it has a model of an enemy up and it's telling you all about this enemy, you yeah. know? Right. And so you're like, Oh, getting to know about the world a little bit. Outer Worlds doesn't have any of that. Right. It's just some goofy advertisement and it has nothing to do with anything other than the companies, I guess. 
and you're sitting there and waiting and it's it's it was very annoying so yes those are my two big holdups on this game those are um, those are good i did not have a loading screen issue mine were pretty fast i, I never noticed okay. that they were long perhaps that's because i was playing it in lower quality on the switch so it didn't have to like work as hard you know to load the map up um i did the one gripe that i had that i forgot um was the the um map density especially on monarch it was like I would walk, you know, into a marauder camp, take out all the baddies, walk 30 feet away, and there's another marauder camp. Like, it's just very <laughs> dense yeah. at times in yeah. the map. And, like, it wasn't spread out. It didn't utilize all the space from the size of the maps. And it was like, you could have just made the map just a little bit bigger and spread everything out a little bit more and had some more richness uh, to the game um, and and whatever else. And map also, the map itself was tedious because it was, like, annoying to scroll along and to find like different things that was just annoying um yes. so it, along the lines of the map too i don't know if this if you notice this but like you would go to like fast travel which i was doing a lot obviously um and it would like attach itself to one particular like icon on yeah, the map yeah it had like a sticky effect yeah like yeah a, a pulling you into that so like sometimes right. i'd like want to put like do a particular fast travel but it'd be stuck on the quest that was there so yep. i couldn't fast travel so i'd have to like pull the cursor like physically like pull against this like gravity well that yep. was attached to the icon for the quest i'm like what in the world is going on yeah, yeah. and then i could connect to the fast travel point so yep. like that was definitely annoying too same experience clunkiness clunkiness in the menus tedious and like and then weapon decay too weapon and armor decay like it, sometimes i'd be wearing armor that would be down to zero percent and it, i just wouldn't notice because it just wasn't obvious and i was like oh yeah. shoot i gotta go fix it or repair it or whatever and that was annoying at times and um you know it, sometimes you have to pay for upgrades and sometimes you need parts for them so that was a little unclear at times yeah i mean just some some detail work definitely could have been thrown in here to make the game flow a bit smoother um uh but other than that you know i thought the the perk point too like I never really felt like my perk points did much other than the hard skills. So so I, it's not really perks. Uh, the skills I felt like made a difference because they're numerical, they're hard count. So like if you have a persuade of 55, you can do everything that requires a 55 persuade, right? But with the, the, the perks, it was like this is going to make um, your – you know, shooting, shooting in the head 25% better. It's like, you just don't feel those, you know what I mean? Like you don't feel right. those in the actual game itself. So I really mm -hmm. found myself going for generic perks, like, um, you know, better health. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like you take yeah. no fall damage or you're able to jump high in the sky or you're able to do this. If you could unlock better mobility you can bet your butt this game would be much more balanced in balancing the focus of dialogue and the focus of combat. Because combat, especially at the very end of the game, plays a huge role. You have to battle your way through the prison to get to Phineas. And um, if you're unprepared for that, it's just going to be a grind, and it will not be un enjoyable. So um, I'm first of all, I'm glad I played the game on casual. Um, and, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I don't, want to i i wouldn't want to get into the nitty-gritty details of the combat any more than i already did because i felt like it would just be way more tedious than it was worth so um you know that it, it is what it is but those are really my final gripes josh um yeah okay 
Did you have any glitches on the Switch? No, no glitches. It ran fine. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I had some weird ones. I don't know what it was about the PS4 version, but I I had some issues with loading and glitches, I guess. Huh. Yeah. I was like I was walking around um a main hall looking for like an NPC that had an actual real name. Um to get access to this back area and all of a sudden where was that i can't i'm trying to think of the specific point that that was but like i was kind of like walking around like oh I, I think it had something to do in byzantium um and randomly as i was like on in this like main uh lobby sort of looking thing a bunch of workers like no name npcs came down the stairs and like spread out around the level like around the lobby at the exact same time yeah it was like it was like 30 people. I was like, yep. what in the world? Yeah, same thing happened <laughs> and to me. Then they, yeah. Yeah. And then they spread out, and then, like, we're doing, like, specific tasks. And I was like, did the game not, like, load them in time? Yeah. Like, did it not, like, remember to run that particular part of the script or something? So, like, that was super weird. I know. Uh, so, like, little I, yeah. things like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. That same glitch happened to me. I didn't really consider it a glitch because it didn't cause the game itself to glitch. It just was weird. But like, yeah, yeah, all of those workers are upstairs in the cafeteria, and if you go talk to the one you're supposed to talk to, they all get up at once and go back to their workstation, and so they're they're like just a long line of them all leaving at once. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, so I don't I don't know what was going on yeah, there. Yeah, it's a little funky, <laughs> but, but yeah. So what do you think, Jared? Do you think that the Outer Worlds should be in the Hall of Games? No, it was unremarkable. It was fun. It was enjoyable, definitely worth the price, you know, especially now it's only 20 bucks. It's an RPG, float around the world, space, retrofuturistic vibes, uh, lots of fun weapons to use, the flamethrower being one, the sawed-off shotgun being a, another really fun one. You fight drones, you fight humans, you fight uh, monsters, uh, and it's really satisfying uh, fights in a lot of those ways if you prefer very simple, uh, linear, non-vertical fights. But as far as, you know, anything, you know, there's other games that do combat better, do exploration better, or, you know, a dialogue probably, there's few games that do as well as this one. But, like, that's about it, that it does exceptionally well. Everything else is a little unremarkable, to be frank. Um, the, the visuals were pretty, you know, for the most part, and the worlds were creative. But I just don't think that this holds a candle to a game like, Breath of the Wild, or or even Skyrim, to be frank. I enjoyed Skyrim much more, uh, and I felt like skills and perks and the layout of Skyrim was better um, in, in many ways. Um, and, yeah, I just feel like, you know, those are my final thoughts. It, 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 uh, enjoyable, but unremarkable uh, in, in that sense. What do you think? I agree. Okay. Um, my decision is no as well. And the the reasoning I have is kind of along the lines of, let's see what they do with the sequel. Yes. Because uh, yes. they got a sequel coming out, which is great. And I think that this game deserves a sequel. I think it's got a lot of really awesome ideas. Totally agree. It's clever. The writing is great. The tone is set hilariously at the start. Like you, you wake up from your cryo sleep and then you're sent down to like meet this smuggler and you kill him <laughs> as yeah, you yeah. lay on the and you're like oh and so like everything's just screwed up at the start which is like classic and really sets the tone well for the whole game 
Uh, I loved just like that idea of like the art of conversation as I played through this game. But there, you know, it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of quests. It's I hope you like reading, you know. <laughs> yes. Because yes. you're going to be doing a lot of it, and if that's not up your if that's not up your alley, you're not going to have a really great time with this game. And then, yeah, it's, it's a little older and it's gunplay. It's, it's got some issues with saving and loading that I have of course explained. So let's see what they do with the sequel. Yeah. Cause I do think like this is what fallout should be. Should, yes. I, 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 I do think this is taking the mantle of fallout to where you want it to go. Yeah. And some would say that the Fallout series is top tier in the gaming industry. Like they would put that in the top, you know, they yeah. put Fallout probably Fallout Three like in the top ten games ever made. Some people, you know, um, so that vision, that gameplay style, all of that is here. But I do kind of want to see what they do in the future. Yeah. yeah, this one's good, but it's got issues. I don't think it's worthy of the Hall of Games. Yeah, and because of that, I think no as well keep yeah keep the voice acting keep the dialogue keep the host of characters and the visual design and improve combat mobility mapping uh menus a little bit uh weapon systems and um uh um uh, map map layout and you've got a great game you know improve half of it keep the other half of it but uh yeah unremarkable and definitely need some tightening up some details fixed for sure yeah, I mean, even keep the anti-capitalist. Yeah, that'd stance. be fine like too. That, I'm, yeah, I'm okay with yeah, that. Same. Yeah, some of my favorite games have an anti-capitalist stance. Like thinking immediately of Bioshock. So, like, yeah, I don't agree with it, but I'll I'll listen to your point of view. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shore up some of those other, those other things, and I think we have a potential candidate on our hands. Uh, all right. Well, with that said, we're we're passing on the Outer Worlds. Fun game. Glad to have put the time into it, but uh, not make it into the Hall of Games. So thank you for taking the time to listen. That brings us to the end of episode number 22. I hope you agree with our decision. And if you don't, tell us why. Until then, this is the Video Game Bard signing off. Thanks for listening.